Ah, we just wanted to surprise you with that little light action. Oh, man. Hey, well, you guys, my name is Sarah Danes. I'm so pumped that you guys are all here this week at camp. And I'm going to want your guys' attention for the next 30 minutes. And I'm going to ask and I'm going to call you guys to a standard and say, when we're here in this chapel and God's word is open, let us be attentive let us be ready and willing and excited to learn because there's nothing more important than tuning in to what the God of the universe has to say. And so for the next 30 minutes, I'm gonna ask that of you guys. Sound good? All right, let me pray for our time because we need the Lord, I need the Lord, and then we'll jump into it. Father God, we come before you this evening, Lord. Lord God, I am so excited for another incredible week of camp. God, I'm excited for the ways that you are going to move in the lives of many of those here. God, I pray that as we come into Ponderosa Chapel, Lord, as your word is open, God, as your word is taught from, Lord, I pray that we would have minds and ears and hearts open and ready to receive what it is that you have for us. God, I pray that tonight, even as we just begin to scratch the surface of this theme for this summer, God, as we look at the book of John, Lord, would you begin to plant seeds in our hearts and in our minds, Lord? Would we have a better understanding of who you are when we leave on Saturday than when we do right now? God, would we have a deeper love for you on Saturday than we do right now? So God, would you be with us? God, would you go before us? Lord, we love you and praise you in your name. Amen. All right, if you guys have your Bibles, open them up. If you do not have your Bibles, I'm going to say two things. First of all, if you packed your Bible to camp and you just forgot to bring it to chapel, make sure that you bring it to every single chapel, every single meeting like we talked about. Because when we open up the Word of God, this is not something that we want you guys to just take our word for it, but we want you guys to be able to open up God's Word and follow along and see, man, this is what God Himself says. So if you packed your Bible to camp but forgot, to bring it to chapel, make sure you bring it. If you did not bring a Bible to camp at all, we would love to give you guys one that you can have and keep forever. And so here's what I'm gonna ask. I would ask that you would do it quietly. If that's you, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, would you guys stand up? Would you guys go to the sides of the chapel and walk to the back? The lead counselors will give you a Bible. So if that's you and you don't have one, go ahead, stand up. You can do that now. And if everyone brought one, then that is a track record. All right. Open up your Bibles. Genesis chapter 3. It's the very, very first book, the very beginning of the Bible. And before we jump into it, let me help set the stage and explain just a little bit of what you guys just saw in the opener. All the opener is meant to do is it's meant to set up the theme for camp for the week. All it's meant to do is to get you guys thinking about what it is that we are going to be talking about the rest of the week. So in our opener, you saw our friend come out. His name is Karsten. He comes out in the very beginning. He's kind of our narrator character. And he sets up this world that we're living in, right? We live in this world. And what he's saying is what we are about to see unfold in the opener, that truth, that little orb, all that is meant to display is that we all choose 
our own versions of truth. That's the generation that we are living in, right? That's all that is meant to demonstrate. And so then we go into the first song into that little hip hop number. And I don't know if you guys have seen Hamilton, but none of this was inspired by Hamilton. This is all an original thought by me and my friends, right? We go into this little hip hop number and you hear words like ancient and dated and contrived, that autonomy is the aim, meaning that me being in charge of my own life or me being my own God is the goal of our life, right? And so that's, our, that's where we're living. And then Carson comes back out and he says, so here we are, we find ourselves now in this present generation. What do we mean then by that? All we mean is we find ourselves in a generation, and maybe some of you guys believe this or feel this or have thought this, that the word of God is old. It's irrelevant. It's dated. Man, it's so close-minded because Jesus says he's the only way. Right? And so that's what we saw unfold in that first song. And then we rewound to the very, very beginning of the text. Why? Because in the very beginning, the very first question ever asked in the Bible is an attack on truth, right? God so clearly says and establishes with his creation, with Adam and Eve, you can eat of every fruit of the trees except for this one, the one of the knowledge of good and evil. He so clearly says that, right? And then the serpent comes along and this is what he says. He says, does God actually say that? And you watch that unfold here between our serpent character and our Adam and Eve character, and then we end it all and we say, man, what is more important? If you open up the word and actually let it breathe out, you may just find that there is an answer that we cannot live without. So look at this. Genesis chapter 3. The openers are taken straight from the text. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He had said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And I don't know about you guys, but you may be so sure and so certain of something, but the minute that someone says, well, is it actually at seven? And you're like, I don't know, but I believe that for the last eight years of my life, right? Like you go, man, when someone uses the word actually as a qualifier or the word really as a qualifier, you start to go, man, I don't know, maybe I'm doubting myself, right? Have you guys felt that? And in verse two, it goes on and it says, and the woman says to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, right? She points back here to this one. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent says to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Listen to this, verse six. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. So what happens here? So simply put, Eve chooses what is right in the sight of her own eyes rather than what God has said and established, rather than, what, rather than trusting what God has already said. 
And this is the very same thing that we do today. This cycle continues. Many of you guys may be familiar with the word of God. Some of you, probably most of you have been raised in the church somehow or you've been around the church. If I were to say WWJD, you guys would tell me that means? Exactly, right? So we all have some familiarity of the scriptures. We all have some familiarity of morality or Christianity in our lives because for a very, very long time, this nation would claim that they are a Christian nation, right? And now we live in a world that is getting increasingly more and more and more hostile to the truth of God's word. And so a lot of you, you guys may have at least somewhat of an understanding of what God would say about particular topics you may even hear in culture and in society today. And for us, rather than trusting what God has said and established in his word over and over, time and time again, we choose what's right in the sight of our own eyes. Why? Maybe because we feel like what God said is just harsh. Maybe because we feel like, God, I disagree with you and I want autonomy over my own life, so I'm just gonna decide that this is what I wanna believe is true. Now we live in a world, and this is the whole theme this summer, we're combating this idea of relative truth. All relative truth means is that truth can be true for someone and not necessarily the next. So I can hold my own version of truth, right? I can hold my glowing orb. This is what I want to be true. You can have your own version. You can have your own version. You can have your own version. Every single day, we may hear phrases like my truth, your truth, live your truth, do what's true for you. Those phrases are used all of the time. And yet when we go to the word of God and we open it up and we say, God, what do you say about truth? You'll find that Jesus says in John 14, 6, which we're going to look at this week, he says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me, which is something that we would refer as absolute truth, that it is absolutely true for every single person, whether you believe it, whether you like it, or whether you call yourself a Christ follower, why? Because God is the sovereign king of the entire universe. He created it all. He sustains it all. And so he gets to decide how all things work. And so here we are in a present generation that would say, live your truth, do what's true for you. Versus what Jesus says when he says, no, 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 I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, not a life, not a truth, but one, singular, the only one. So now, here we go, what do we do with that? What do we do when we live in a culture that hates the truth of God's word? What do we do when we live in a culture that says, you're narrow-minded because you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? And you're going, Oh, on an effort to not offend someone, you're like, well, that's my truth. You can have yours. And what we're doing, man, we are, we are sacrificing and we are trading the truth of God for a lie. What we are doing is saying, God, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say that I believe in your word. And so instead of standing firm in all love and in all kindness, I'm just going to tell that person that they can have their own truth. And friend, we are here to tell you that there is actually nothing more unloving than letting someone believe a lie, especially when it comes to the word of God. 
especially when it comes to the point that we're just maybe too ashamed or too afraid or too scared of what our friends will think, then in, then in all boldness and kindness and love and grace, saying the truth. Psalms 47 says this, seven through eight, it says, for the king, for sorry, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nation. God is seated on his holy throne. Meaning that God did not just create and step away. He did not just create creation and his children and then is leaving us up to our own devices. No, he reigns over all the nations, meaning that he is actively involved and engaged in creation and that he cares about what is going on. And when we decide that all we wanna do is select our own versions of truth, whether we don't wanna offend someone or because we're afraid of what God's word says or maybe just that one thing we don't like, we find ourselves in a world full of chaos and brokenness and pain and confusion. I mean, look around, right? Am I making this up? Do you guys not feel that? Do you not feel the fact that if there's anything the last two years has taught us, we're just sitting there going, would someone just tell me what's true? Would someone just tell me what's actually going on? And the beautiful good news is that God's word is the only thing that remains faithful, that remains steadfast, that remains clear, true, and trustworthy when everything else is falling apart. When everything else is constantly changing, God remains the same. His word remains the same. Why? Because his words are rooted in his character. Flip your Bibles now over to John. John is in the New Testament. It is the fourth and final gospel. It's probably going to be like three quarters of the way through your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <clears throat> When you get there, you can give me a yip yip. Oh, yes. Okay, who's lying now? This is a safe space. Who's lying to me? John, good question. Chapter 18. John chapter 18, I should have said that. Verse 33. Yip yip, my friends. It's about three quarters of the way through. It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you don't know, you can use your table of contents. There is no shame in that. So here we are, right? We've now looked at the very beginning. What happened in the beginning of Genesis, right? God creates, he establishes, right? There is the fall of mankind. We choose to rather than what trust what God has said and established, we choose that no, 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 God, I know better, right? That it, that it was a desire of Eve to be like God, knowing good and evil, and she, she chose that. And now, from that moment on, we continue the cycle of choosing what's right in the sight of our own eyes. Whoa, this thing's wobbly. Now, this quest or journey of truth and trying to understand what's true is not new, right? We see that attack on truth in Genesis chapter 3 as the serpent says, did God actually say? 
And in John 18, chapter 18, verse 33, our theme verse for the summer, you're going to see that this same idea of truth comes back around. Now, your speaker this week, who you'll hear from tomorrow morning for the first time, his name is Mike. He's amazing. You're going to love him. He has the no small task of going through the entire gospel of John with you guys this week which is crazy. Now, let me encourage you guys in this. I think it's only 21, 21 chapters, 21 divided by how long are you here? Seven days? Seven days. That's three chapters a day. Six? Whatever. That's three and a half. Three quarters. Three and three quarters. If you want to read the entire book of John, I would really encourage you to do so because we are going to fly through it this week. And the reason we chose John for this theme uh, is found in John chapter 20, verse 30. It says this, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John, this book, the, the book of John is different than the other Gospels in that he, John is going, he set out to prove that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing you would have life in his name. That's the whole reason we chose John. And what's crazy about this is this theme on truth was actually developed a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, in the fall of 2020. You guys remember what was going on in the fall of 2020? Or did you black it out like I did? I did. So fall of 2020, we developed this theme. We got in a room, all of us camp directors here at Hume Lake, myself, some of the others over in Meadow Ranch, Wagon Train, New England, Wildwood, SoCal. There's a lot of locations here at Hume. We all got together and we're like, man, what do these students need to hear. And from conversations with your counselors and with your youth pastors and just being attentive to where culture is going, we felt firmly that the most important thing that we could be talking about was truth. Why? Because our world is getting more and more hostile to the truth of God's word. And so in John 18, chapter, sorry, verse 33, it says this. This is up at the end of Jesus' ministry, right before he is about to be delivered over to be crucified. And it says this, it says, so Pilate, who was a Roman official, it says, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? So in other words, Jesus is going, did you, did someone tell you this or do you actually believe this? And Pilate says in 35, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And the reason that Pilate says, am I a Jew? He's like, he's not like, am I a Jew? Jesus, tell me, because I don't know. No, he's going, am I Jewish? I don't care what you did. Pot, Jewish, <laughs> Jewish. Pilate doesn't care what Jesus did. Why? Because when you reflect, Pilate is Roman, right? And so when you look at this, he's going, I don't care what you did. Why? Because you've not come up against me. You have not come up against our authority. You have not come up against our rules. The Jews care about what you've done. Now, why do the Jews care? The Jews, if you read the Old Testament, you would see that they are anticipating and long awaiting a Messiah, a savior of the world. Right, so they're waiting for this Messiah. They're waiting for the Savior to come. And so Pilate's going, am I Jewish? I could care less about what you've done. But your own people have given you over to me. So what the heck did you even do? And you look at Jesus' life, and you guys will get to see this throughout this week. Jesus healed people. He made blind men see. Right? He raised one of his greatest friends from the dead. And he claims to be God. 
And this is why this is important to note. Because Jesus didn't just come on the scene. He wasn't just a nice person. He didn't just teach him a bunch of good things. Jesus came and he claimed that he and God were the same. Over and over and over again in the New Testament, it says that in, uh, I've come in the authority of the Father. I and the Father are one. All that the Father has done is given to me. So the Jews are like, hold up. You are not the guy that we were expecting to be the Messiah. You are not the guy that we were expecting to be the savior of the world. And he claims to be God. And this is why the Jewish people, not everyone, but many, especially the religious elite, were so pissed off about it. And he goes on and says this. Am I allowed to say that from stage? Frustrated. <laughs> Verse 36. Jesus answers, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servant would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. So now Pilate's going, your kingdom? You think that you're a king? Right now this kind of starts to wrestle his feathers. In 37 he says, then Pilate says to him, so you're a king? Jesus answers. Jesus says, you say that I am a king. Listen to this. What does he say? For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world. To do what? To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate says to him, what is truth? And Pilate doesn't ask that question in like a, wow, enlighten me. What is truth, Jesus? I want to know. He's going, what's truth? What is even, what's even truth? Jesus says right here, he says, for this purpose I've come to bear witness to the truth. That everyone who listens to my voice, Right? This is crazy because for us today to recognize, man, that people were asking this question then, we're not crazy for asking this question, and yet we have the full revelation of the word of God, and we get the luxury of going to God's word and saying, God, what is true? And Jesus says in John 14, 6, which is a bold claim, he says that me and truth are the same. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So simply he says, if I didn't do it, if I didn't say it, then it's not true. And so here's the deal. This week, we are going to be talking about six main different topics of truth. We've kind of broken down the weeks in the truth of God. So tomorrow morning when you guys hear from Mike Johnny, we're going to talk about what is the truth of God. Who the heck is even God, right? Because how can we talk about this concept of truth if we don't establish some of these things? So we're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about that he's the creator. He's a sustainer. That he has authority over our lives. Tomorrow night we're going to be talking about the truth of the scriptures. What is even true about the word of God? If the word of God is true and trustworthy and relevant and reliable, then what does that mean for our lives because if everything in here, in here is all true, then that has massive implications for you and I. And if this truly is the word of the God of the universe, then you can bet we better tune in and listen to what he has to say. And then as we continue through John, we're going to look at Jesus' life and his teaching. We're going to look at what are the things that Jesus claimed about himself what are the miracles that Jesus performed in his ministry and in his life? We're then going to talk about the truth of sin. So what does Jesus say about the reality of our sin? Right? That we are all by nature children of wrath, that we were born into darkness. And that our sin separates us from a holy God. 
that there is nothing that you or I could do to make ourselves right before God. We couldn't do enough good deeds. We couldn't be nice to enough people. We couldn't work our fingers down to a bone to get right before God. And so what do we do? And the following night, we're going to talk about the truth of the gospel, the glorious, beautiful, wonderful news about the reality of God sending his one and only son to live a life that you and I could never live and to die a death that we deserved. The penalty for our sin is death. We would be eternally separated from the God of the universe had it not been for his son, Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about that wonderful news that Jesus came to die in our place so that we don't have to and so that we can be right before God, that God can look at us and see the righteousness of, our, of his son. And then the final night, we're going to talk about if all of these things that we just talked about over the last week, this week, then what's true for the life of the believer? Then what should we expect? How then shall I live if these things are all true? Now, here's the deal. I'm going to be honest with you guys. There may be times throughout this week that you guys might feel like, man, I feel like I'm a little defensive because I disagree with that. There's going to be things in the Bible that are going to come up against the worldviews that you guys have created, the worldviews that we believe about Jesus, the things that culture and society tell us are acceptable. And then we're going to look to God's word and go, well, that's not what God says. And so this is how I want to cover this week and end it for you guys. If all we do at Hume Lake this week is present a really, really, really good apologetic theme about truth, and yet we miss the heart and the reality of who Jesus is, I think that we've missed it. Because a relationship with Jesus is not just knowing a bunch of facts about him. It's not just knowing what he did in his life and ministry, but it's that connection from what you know and then how does that change the way that you live? And so let's read this together. 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to end it like this. Because in those moments <clears throat> when you guys feel maybe like you're on the defense or like you disagree with something and you're like, man, I just don't know how to, dis how to, how to get there or to agree with this or disagree with this. Let me tell you this. This theme was chosen, again, not so that you guys would know a lot of things about Jesus merely, but because we love you, your counselors love you, your youth pastors know, know you, they do, they love you. And we love you too much to let you guys stay in a worldview that is contrary to the truth of God's word. And so look at this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Verse four, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And if I were to summarize everything we are about to talk about and the heart and the motivation of why this theme was chosen, 
It's right here in verse five and six. We did not choose this theme merely to insist on our own way of being right. Merely to go, man, how stupid or how silly that you believe X, Y, or Z thing that culture teaches you. No, but we chose it because we are motivated from a genuine place of love, knowing, believing, and acknowledging, as Jesus says in John chapter 8, that the truth will set you free. And not just a truth that you choose because you want to believe it or because you like the sound of it, but the truth found in God's word. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. We are not going to sit here and rejoice in wrong beliefs about who God is. We're not going to sit here and rejoice in a culture and society that is farther and farther from the truth of God's word. No, instead, it rejoices with the truth. And I think our world has also created a really unfortunate and wrong view of what love actually is. Love is not just accepting all things. It's not just tolerating all things. No, it is in all grace and kindness claiming and proclaiming the truth of God's word that you would love someone enough to kindly, boldly say, can I tell you what my God says about this? And can I tell you what I believe about this? The two have to exist with one another. You cannot have one without the other. In grace and truth, we are going to communicate this theme to you this, this week. So here's the deal. I'm going to pray for us. And then after that, it's a surprise. <laughs> Let me pray. Father God, Lord, I am just humbled, God, to be here, Lord, to be able to look at your word, God, to be able to just scratch the surface and understanding where we're going this week and even understanding a concept of what truth is. And so, God, as we go through your word this week, God, as we study the book of John together, Lord, would you illuminate the text, God, would your spirit guide us in all understanding and Lord, would we learn to love your word more this week? God, would we learn that loving people well, God is kindly and graciously always speaking truth and love. And so God, this week, I pray that that is done. God, and I pray that it honors you. Lord, I pray for my friends here in this chapel. God, would you do an incredible work that only you can do this week? God, we love you and we praise things in your name. Everyone said... Amen.